0: the Internet of Things was supposed to create a truly connected world, so why has progress toward that end stalled? Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain podcast. Just a few years ago, it felt as though the Internet of Things was suddenly upon us. We were told that it would link together a universe of machines and products and impact every aspect of our daily lives. Business saw it as a chance to gain visibility over devices that monitored critical operations, including those related to supply chain management. But according to a recent survey, nearly 30% of all enterprise IoT projects fail in the proof-of-concept stage. So what's the hold-up? Today we'll explore the issue in my conversation with Daniel Elizalde. He is Vice President and Head of IoT with Ericsson North America. We'll talk about whether businesses are taking the right approach in implementing IoT technology, why so many projects to date aren't yielding the promised value to the customer, and how we can proceed beyond the hype to achieve real success in a world of connected devices. But maybe not toasters. Here's my conversation with Daniel Elizalde. Daniel Elizalde,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Baba. It's a pleasure being here with you.
0: Daniel, in a recent survey, it was found that nearly 30% of IoT or Internet of Things projects fail in the proof-of-concept stage. Why do you think that is the case?
1: That's a great question, Bob, and I think that there's a lot of possible consequences for that. I think that a lot of those pilots fail to provide value to the customer. I think that a lot of the challenges that we're seeing in the industry is that still a lot of companies are being technology-led, and so when you do a pilot, because you have some interest in technology named IoT or connectivity or something else, there's still a lot of the belief that technology by itself will provide value, and oftentimes it doesn't. And so it dies in the pilot because the companies testing out the pilot don't see the actual value in moving forward the solution, or they didn't understand what it would take to really deploy this at scale or maintain it at scale, et cetera. So I think it's a combination of setting expectations, understanding what the true outcome is desired before moving with the pilot in the first place. So it has nothing to do or has less to do with technology, I believe, than the actual process of change management and doing the expectations and deployments.
0: Well, I'd like to know how literal you're being when you say value to the customer because there are plenty of IoT projects that are essentially meant to bring internal benefits to a company, to its operations that are not necessarily customer-facing. When you say value to the customer, do you mean that direct value to the customer or do you mean that indirect by improving internal efficiencies that ultimately does have some impact on, on the customer?
1: I'm using customer as the recipient of the value of that particular deployment of IoT. So if it's for internal consumption, then whoever commissioned that project and is expecting to get the value out of that, that would be the customer in that perspective. Now, if it's a company doing like an OEM doing an external deployment for their customers, then similar thing, right? It's the ultimate Uh person that receives the value.
0: Right so not necessarily the end buyer of your product but the person who stands to benefit or at least theoretically stands to benefit from the initiative.
1: Correct. I see. Part of that has to do with uh, not identifying in advance who will actually get that value when you're going to go past the pilot stage. So let's think about a case where manufacturing companies deploying an IoT solution for internal efficiency purposes. And this might be a project that was started by maybe some principal engineer that needed to get some specific information about part of the process. But then when it goes and gets to the pilot and that value might be proven for that person, turns out that the decision maker for actually incorporating into the full plant or rolling it out at scale, it's just a a different person with different chip constraints, goals, KPIs, et cetera. And so it just dies there. It doesn't advance because the overall outcome for the overall organization wasn't clearly articulated.
0: Is there a way in which you think the actual term itself, the Internet of Things, is holding back progress in this area?
1: I think it is. I think that definitions are important because they help us understand and what we're talking about in general terms and bring people together and companies together under a specific umbrella. And that's what IoT, the term IoT has done. But I think that at some point, it starts losing its value because now everything that can be connected from the devices to the edge to the cloud, et cetera, now is called IoT. So whether it's a smart toaster, a smart coffee maker, a plane, an autonomous vehicle, a manufacturing facility, everything falls under IoT. And so people that are looking to get the value out of the solutions, they're really confused on where to start because there's, of course technology for different verticals, for different industries, for different applications. And then the way that they are deployed, the value that they produce, the ecosystems, the monetization, it's all very different. Plus, there's the kind of harm by association, right? There's a lot of consumer products that they are good gadgets, but they might be not providing full value, and they are part of IoT. And so a lot of people associate IoT with some devices that might not be as valuable, right? Like I said, the smart toaster. Yeah, we can do it. How valuable is that? And so it carries that stigma. As well as other areas, right? Like security, like a coffee maker gets hacked, all of a sudden, we should avoid oil IoT because oil IoT is bad. So that's where I'm coming from with that.
0: And also just the use of the word things. uh, I guess that's It's accurate to say that, but at the same time, it seems to exclude the presence or the participation of humans by just calling it things. And so there's maybe a misnomer there or a misunderstanding there based on that?
1: Correct. And I think that the way I always talk about it is that IoT is in the solution space. So by itself, does not add value? How we apply the philosophy of connecting things to provide value to people That's what we really need to be talking about and figure out how can we describe accurately a problem that needs to be solving? How can a technology-based solution through IoT help solve that problem and then move from there? But when we say just connecting things, quote-unquote, in itself has value, that's more of the marketing spiel, and I think it can do more harm than good.
0: When we talk about problems to be solved involving the IoT – and we say that really those problems are more cultural than they are technical. Is that what we're talking about? Or what do we mean by cultural problems and how can they be approached in a way to solve this whole dilemma?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. So I'll answer in two parts. So first, the way I think about solving problems through IoT, if you think about in essence what IoT is, you have sensors that acquire data from the real world, from the context, analyze like data in some form and provide some sort of value, right? So That's in a nutshell what the definition would be. Now, the way I would think about it is for people that are looking to go into this space and thinking from a problem perspective, if you have identified a challenge or a problem or a pain that your customers have or your internal operations team, et cetera, have, if you were to have sensors and collect data from that environment, if you could analyze that data, could you add that value to your customers? Could you solve those problems? So that's when you start thinking, IoT could be a potential solution to the problem that you have identified, but very very clear of dividing the problem and the solution, right? And then if that is a yes, well that's just one stage, right? And then there's the cultural aspect of things, which means assuming that we can do the technology pieces of an IoT solution, then what does it mean from a change management perspective to integrate a solution like this in our company? How does that affect? deployments? How does it affect operations? If we are the OEMs developing the solution, how does that change our sales, our marketing, our positioning? And if you take the business model a step further with IoT, which is very common to do as-a-service type of offerings, well, how does an as-a-service offering affect your company's culture and your customer's culture in terms of buying relationships? Right. So you have to think about all the implications that going with a technical solution like this can take. And if the problem is well-defined and the pain is big enough that it's worth investing in this whole journey, then yes, IoT is an amazing way to solve these problems, but you have to think about it holistically.
0: Well, that being the case, how important is it to have all the different functions within a company on board at the advent of an IoT initiative, having sales and marketing involved in knowing what's coming down, having their input as opposed to doing it and then dumping it in their laps when it's ready to go?
1: It is extremely important, and I'm really glad you asked that question. Part of what I've been doing, I've been teaching IoT at Stanford, and one of the things that I always advocate to the executives taking my classes is that you have to think holistically on the impact. And so very early on, you have to check with sales and say, hey, you're going to have to sell this in a very different way. Do we have the expertise to sell instead of transactionally, to sell as a service? What does that take from sales enablement? What would it take for new demos? What would it take, right? From marketing, hey, we're gonna have to position the company different, the product differently. Do we have those skills and so on, right? A lot of companies just focus on the engineering part. And I think at this stage, one of the benefits of IoT technology is that it has advanced so much that it's relatively feasible to say you can solve the technical problem. But I think we need to evaluate all the other implications around the company and make sure that we have a plan early on. I'm buying from all the different stakeholders and make sure that companies understand that this is a journey. This is a transition and you have to start with small pockets of innovation and then it starts becoming a more embedded part of your overall process. But it's not like I've talked to some CEOs that says next quarter we're going into IoT and that's going to be our new business model, our new technology, our new market. That never goes anywhere.
0: In an age where virtually everything is connected, or so it seems... How do you manage IoT across multiple facilities, multiple geographies, multiple types of equipment? Are there integration issues involved in embracing the entire universe of IoT?
1: Yes, there are a lot of uh, implications there. Now, I think one thing that's important is that, and this is where I think the umbrella term of IoT could come back and not be fully accurate, right? Yes, everything can be connected, but it's not going to be connected to each other. So, for example, my toaster is not going to be talking to a jet engine. right? So everything is going to be contained within particular verticals and particular applications. And so if you think about manufacturing use cases, maybe a company that has manufacturing facilities, a lot of their devices will be connected and they have to manage all that across multiple factories. And so they need a way to integrate all that. And that's where connectivity plays a big role of having a cohesive way to connect all the devices and be able to see how the devices are behaving, managing their health, their updates, all of those kind of things. It's a new branch of operations that a lot of companies don't have, which is the managing of these connected assets.
0: The existence of IoT, by definition, means the existence of an immense amount of information that we didn't have access to before. We are then in danger of being inundated by that information. How do we manage it? Uh, Do we need analytics? Do we need artificial intelligence? Do we need machine learning? What do we need in order to make sense of all this data?
1: Yes, we need all of that, right? And we are already inundated with data in other markets. So we're learning from social media and other things. The reality is that this explosion of data impacts how you plan the adoption of IoT in general. Like I said, I've actually worked in projects where, yes, you're able to create all that data but you don't know what to do with it because it's too much. So planning a holistic strategy around your IoT deployments of how much data you're going to collect, let's say, per year, how much it's going to cost you, how you're going to store it, how you're going to analyze it. And then based on understanding those parameters, you can start bringing in some of the newer technologies, of analytics and machine learning and AI, to try to make sense of all this data without a lot of human intervention. I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that I can share is that just like you plan for your overall strategy of your product, you have to plan for your data strategy and understanding from the very beginning what data you'll be collecting, what is the outcome that you desire from that data, and how you're going to process it from the very beginning. right? Because I see some projects that struggle when they said, we're just going to acquire everything and as much of data we can, and we're going to store it all, and we'll deal with that later. And that always fails, right? So it's more important to decide what do you need and for what purpose, and then start there.
0: You said without a lot of human intervention, and yet, obviously, humans have to enter the picture at some point. What is that point? In other words, what are the machines doing? Are they simply interpreting the data? Are they making recommendations? Are they prescribing actions? Where does the human come into the picture in the age of the Internet of Things?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. There's always going to be humans in the loop, because you're doing these things, you're doing these deployments and this technology for the benefit of humans, not for the benefit of machines. To your point of there is so much data that it would be really hard for humans to make sense of it. So what we need this technology like machine learning is to help us filter the tremendous amount of data and surface the things that are important so that humans can obtain value out of that, help us make decisions, help us drive processes, help us drive sales or whatever is it that we need, right? So there's always going to be a human that is the ultimate recipient of that value. Those layers in between, they just help us kind of crunch through all this tremendous amount of data in a speed and an accuracy that we have never been able to do before, right? But it's not like they're replacing the human decisions or they're, they're always there for us to take advantage of.
0: Do you really mean always? Because the term machine learning indicates that the system, machine, becomes more and more sophisticated and, by definition, more capable of making good decisions so that humans can step away and let them do it. Maybe not the total elimination of humans from the loop, but don't you think that the progress of the future is more machine and less human when it comes to key decisions and actions being taken?
1: I don't think so. I think there's always going to be a balance. and The way I think about machine learning and artificial intelligence at the end of the day, they're just tools. They're just tools that help us distill information out of tremendous amount of data. But the ultimate goal is for humans to get value out of that. And so I think there are always going to have to be humans in the loop. Now, as the tools get more sophisticated, of course, so the human skill set and work type is going to also evolve to take advantage of what these new tools are producing, there might be some decisions that humans do today that can be done by a machine in a way more effective because there's so much data. Okay, so what is the next level that humans can take advantage of? And that's how we all grow together. But ultimately, as, as futuristic as they sound, they're just tools, they're here to serve a purpose for humans.
0: However, it seems like the biggest potential weak point of the entire world of IoT is security, cybersecurity, The fact that all these devices become so susceptible to hackers, and indeed, this is the way that so many cyber attacks have taken place. What is the state of security in IoT today? What needs to be done? And are you confident that we can secure these devices against such invasions?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. And, And yes, that is a huge challenge, right? Because I think one of the main challenges is that the technology has advanced very rapidly and we haven't put enough thought we as, as the technology world into securing every piece of it because everything has been moving so fast. And so I, in the last five years that I've been doing this talk to a lot of different companies, I've seen a shift on taking security seriously and understanding what is a security strategy, right? And just as I mentioned before, a lot of companies just think about security as, hey, I'll just drop a piece of software and it's going to be a patch and Voila, it's secure. In reality, security, is it's a process, it's a practice of developing products in a way that they are secured at implementation, they're rolled out securely, they are monitored. And then in IoT, of course, we have the combination of cybersecurity with cyber physical security because you can actually tamper with the physical devices. Mm-hmm. And so I think its a, it's an issue that we're going to have to deal with for years to come, But companies are taking it a lot more seriously. They are actually investing a lot of money. They are revisioning their roadmaps to make sure that security is an integral part of the design. And then are looking at security holistically, not only from the product perspective, but also from the process perspective at deployment and maintenance in the field. So I think we're getting better. Now, and this is another point where the IoT term might affect, but if you think about critical iot and secure manufacturing military energy they're very stringent with security much more than when the risk is a lot less like in some consumer devices and so Mm -hmm. we can't just have a blanket statement about security but it's getting a lot better and the reason is because companies are actually paying attention to make sure that their systems are secure
0: and educating their users you must change the manufacturer's password stuff like that right Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Notwithstanding the proven value and exciting prospects for IoT, though, is there a way in which we may be going overboard with it? In other words, you mentioned toasters. Do we really need a connected toaster? (laughs) That's just one example. But are there places in which you think IoT might just not really be that feasible after all?
1: Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think this happens with every disruptive technology cycle, right? All of a sudden, we want to put it on everywhere just because we can, but that might not make a lot of sense. And this is where I think the market forces are starting to play a little bit, right? Because I talk to a lot of companies that are doing some of those consumer devices and they might be struggled to get market share because the consumers are saying, you know what? I really don't see the extra value of having my toaster sending me a text message. I don't want to pay more for that and I don't want to be open to the risk of being hacked through my toaster. So I'm just not going to do it. Right. So I think that because of the novelty and the ease of implementation of some of these new systems, a lot of people are thinking just like silver bullet, slap IoT on anything and I'll be a millionaire. But in reality, there's things that it's a lot harder. And so I think that we're going to start to see a lot of those products be you know, companies rethinking that approach. And I think that where critical infrastructure, critical IoT, massive IoT does make sense from a business perspective and a value perspective, we're going to continue to see the growth there. So I think there's a little bit of a technology and market correction there that is passing the time of IoT is cool, we should do it everywhere, versus like, hey, this is just one more tool in our toolbox, how can we use it to add value, understanding everything that it entails.
0: Okay, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go down in history in terms of technology terminology by coming up with a better term <laughs> than the Internet of Things. Would you like to take that opportunity right now? Call it something else.
1: Uh, to be honest, I think it's we're just just going to call it technology, right? It's like I and the example I give is that eight years ago when the iPhone came out, um, all of us working on developing applications all of a sudden had a new medium, and that was mobile development, and that was a, a big deal and we're struggling with figuring that out. And now it's so ubiquitous that you don't actually focus so much on like mobile development. Most applications actually have a mobile component, so it's just part of the technology, right? And so I think IoT is going to get to that point, where this is just like, it's the new normal. This is just how we build technology devices happen to be connected, and that's how we're going to evolve, right? I was joking with before this interview because those kind of questions is funny to answer for somebody that has IoT in his title, right? <laughs> but to be clear, I think that's the progression of technology. It stops being a, a thing, no pun intended, and it's just being absorbed by the state of the art of technology until we get the next one.
0: Well, Daniel Elizalde of Ericsson, North America, I want to thank you for helping us to understand that the Internet of Things is about more than just literally things. (laughs) That There are other things to consider as well as humans for one thing and larger technology issues for another. But thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity, Bob. I really appreciate it.
0: That was my conversation with Daniel Elizalde of Ericsson, North America, talking about the promise and payoff of the Internet of Things. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at scbrain.